Welcome to the teaching ministry at Magnolia's First. We hope the next few minutes will help you take your next steps on your faith journey. And we would love to help you take those next steps. Just head over to m1bc.org and fill out the connect form and a pastor will get in touch with you very soon. Or you can text us at 281-343-3033. Well, good morning. What a great day to be able to get together. You know, I'm going to tell you, this is a very trustworthy church because I've realized that when I came back up here that nobody had come and taken my perfect reset clip. And so I appreciate being able to know it was sitting right there waiting on me. Well, this morning, our message is illustrated by Addison Williams, daughter of Jeff and Erica. Is Addison in here by chance? I like it. Okay. Well, can we show the picture of the, there they are. Hi there. So there's a picture of the family. And so would you say thank you to Addison with me? Amen. The message today is entitled, How Do You Spell Service? And in the Bible, I would tell you that the Bible would spell service L-O-V-E. That if I really love you, I want to serve you. And if I really want to demonstrate my love for Christ, I do that by loving him well and loving those he loves, which means that I will be willing and ready to serve them. So this morning, we're going to be in John chapter 13. The disciples are in the upper room with Jesus. He is walking them through the Passover, and he is going to be transforming the Passover gathering to the Lord's Supper celebration. But before we get to that moment, we find the disciples on the road to Jerusalem. And I want to pull over there because if you were reading the Bible chronologically through the four Gospels, you would know that on the way to the upper room, they had a discussion on the road. It is found in Luke chapter 22, verse 22. It says, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as the one who serves. Now think about this. You're walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, you and your 12 best buddies, and as you're going along, a discussion breaks out on who is the greatest. Now, can you imagine saying that out loud? I mean, you might think it, but you would say it? I mean, all of us know what it's like to be with a group of friends and say, I think they're more talented than this, or they're more talented than that, and maybe I'm better at this than they are. But can you imagine literally 12 grown men saying, I think when Jesus comes back in his kingdom, I'm number two. He can be number one. I'll be number two. And here they are having this discussion. And Jesus knows their hearts. He knows what's happening. And he speaks into them and he says, listen, in the kingdom, if you want to be the greatest, you be the greatest servant. You want prominence, you choose humility. Because things are not the same in the kingdom that I'm bringing as in the kingdoms of this world. Let's pray. Jesus, as we 
look at this passage in John chapter 13. Help us embrace what you are wanting to teach us. Help us listen to what your spirit is wanting to reveal to our hearts. Help us listen so that we can see what you want us to draw ourselves to as we grow in faithfulness to you. For we pray, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. John chapter 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist, and then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, foot washing is something that I would say that for most of us is not a common practice in our lives. I mean, I hope that you wash your feet regularly. I'm talking about Somebody else washing your feet. For most of you, if someone's ever washed your feet, the odds were that you were in the hospital and you'd been there long enough that they thought you needed a sponge bath. Or maybe you were just a little baby and your mom was washing you in the sink. But for the most part, we don't ever think about going to somebody's house and having foot washing. It's just not part of who we are. But there are cultures where there is a a form of this, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But think about ancient times because especially think about Jerusalem because I've walked these streets in Jerusalem especially the original streets the same streets that Jesus walked and they're narrow and there's really not a gutter there's it depends on the street it's either built on a crown with gutters on the side or built on a little bit of slope with a gutter in the center and when people got done with their trash their potato peelings anything else they just threw it out into the street, including anything else that had happened in the house that night. It was not sanitary. And you sure didn't want somebody to have walked from the street into your house and to be tracking that, because remember, they did not have uh, tennis shoes. These are open-toe sandals for the most part. And so whatever was in the street would be between your toes. So you can kind of imagine what it's like if you were walking into somebody's house after you traipsed your way through a puddle that you couldn't identify and you got to that house. There was a need for your feet to be washed. And so the common courtesy would have been a slight anointing with oil for refreshment and then a servant would come and they would wash your feet. And you can imagine what it's like when you've been walking through a hot and dusty street and all of a sudden you've been walking through stuff you don't know about and you get to somebody's house and a servant takes cool water and they pour it on your feet and all that stuff between your toes goes away and they take a towel and they they dry it you can think about the refreshment because you see what was happening there the host was saying to you I'm glad you're here I came prepared for you 
I want you to have a great time in this home because you now are under my protection and you're under my provision. So when you saw that basin and that towel coming at you, it said, I am being honored by the one whose home I am now going into. And the basin and the towel, though, well, not everybody wanted to have that job. Matter of fact, it would go to the least servant among them. Matter of fact, literally what would happen is if you were the newest servant, the odds were you were towel boy. But what if there wasn't a servant? What they would do is they would look at the group and they would say, well, who has the lowest position socially? It's them. Or they would say, we'll just take turns. And so, as that was taking place, if there was not a servant present that would do that, literally, it would rotate among those disciples. Now, remember, they had just been spending time talking about who was the greatest. And if you thought you should be number two in the kingdom, or number three in the kingdom, you probably didn't think that you needed to worry about washing anybody's feet. And so they go into that room, and not one of them, not one of them budged. Not one of them. I mean, they saw the basin, they saw the towel, and they were like, uh-uh, it's not my turn. Uh-uh, I'm at least number six in this group. So they all get around to eat that food, and everybody's got dirty feet. The Bible says that Jesus knowing that he came from God, knowing that he was returning to God, now showed them his love to the very end. The, some translations would say, showed them the full extent of his love. Because while they were worried about position, while they were concerned about not doing anything that would somehow demonstrate that they thought they were lesser than someone else, Jesus, the Savior of the world, their rabbi, took a towel and wrapped it around them, took a basin and filled it, and he began to wash their feet. He began to wash their feet. Because Jesus is our ultimate example. Of service. I want you to hear something. You never stand so tall in the kingdom of God than you do when you're on your knees serving others with the towel and the basin. Showed them the full extent of his love. It wasn't when he gave them the authority to cast out demons. It wasn't when he said, go teach them about the kingdom. His full extent of love was shown when he did what? Serve them. You can be a great teacher, but if you don't love people, they're going to miss Jesus. You can be talented, but you don't love people, they're going to miss Jesus. You can be a great preacher, and if you don't love people, they're going to miss Jesus. Friend, People need to see Jesus. And they see him the clearest when we love them 
the most. The towel and the basin is a symbol of refreshment, renewal. Come, stay for a while, stay with me. It reminds us of what the Bible says in Philippians 2 about Jesus. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation in verse 5. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. The example of Jesus is as though he should have been able to claim the highest position. He took the lowest position for you and me. He was found in the likeness of man. He gave his glory and contained it and released it so that you and I could taste the heavenly nature by trusting in him as our Lord and Savior. He gave it all up so he could pick you up so that you could know him and so that you could grow in him. And so, you could serve as he works his way through your heart to a lost world. Jesus shows us how to demonstrate the full extent of God's love. It happens every time I serve. I'm ready to serve. Jesus gave the church living models of service and deacon servants. I've been very blessed in this church to get to know your deacons. You have a great group of guys and their families, and it's been wonderful to get to serve with them and get to know them. And for many of you, the only time that you're really aware that somebody is a deacon may be when, in just a few moments when they service the Lord's Supper or perhaps you know about the widow's ministry. But the deacons in this church serve so many different places. There's hardly a ministry throughout this church that deacons haven't been involved in. When we had Vacation Bible School, there were deacons that were here that were helped serving. And I will tell you, I am grateful for their heart because I'm, I, I, I'll never forget what somebody said, said something like this. They said, you know, I didn't know they were a deacon. And I asked, I said, were you surprised to find out they were a deacon? They said, no, no, no. They, they, they act like, I mean, they're good people. I just didn't realize they were a deacon. And I sat there and I thought, I am so grateful for men that don't lead off with I'm a deacon but lead off with how can I help you how can I serve you listen when the time comes that this church is looking for more deacons and we're going to need more deacons as we grow things are happening we're going to need more if you want to know who to nominate for a deacon it's not about who's the most popular it's not about who just shows up all the time you know what you want to look for who is already serving like a deacon without the title. Because if you want to know who God's calling out to be a deacon, I promise you this, they're already doing deacon stuff because they love people and they want to serve and they demonstrate a heart that is committed. But you know, it's not just the deacons that God calls to serve. Jesus has called all of us to serve. The Bible says in John 13, 12, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. 
I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are no greater than their masters, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Jesus said, I'm not asking you to do anything I haven't already done. I took the job that none of you wanted. While the rest of you were sitting on that couch, while the rest of you were hanging out at this table, and you were feeding yourselves, and you were enjoying yourselves, and you were making sure that nobody ever thought you were so low that you were a foot washer, I, your Lord, your teacher, your master, took the towel, took the basin, and I washed your feet. If I'm willing to do that, are you? Because if you're going to follow me, you're going to do what I've been doing. And God calls all of us to serve. A few years ago at Princeton Theological School, there was 40 seminary students that were involved in a test. They had them in one room in campus, and they would send them one at a time across campus to a group of, of uh, professors in this other building, and they gave them different assignments. They were given one or two assignments. They were either one to go discuss the parable of the Good Samaritan, or they were to discuss their calling in ministry. It was a test. But the real test didn't happen in the room from which they sent them or the room in which they were going to. The real test took place in the quad in the park area as they walked across because they had hired an actor that as they saw the student approaching would grab their chest, slump over, and fall on the ground. More than half of those ministers walked right past that man because they had to get to their test. They had to get to their appointment. They didn't want to blow up their 4.0. The test was would they pause and serve. And I think about that, and I think about in my own life how many times I've blown it. How many times I have walked past somebody because I was on my way to something important. How many times I've missed being able to do what God wanted me to do in that moment because I had a list I was trying to work through. Or because I'm just oblivious to what was going on around me. I was so focused on the things that I wanted to focus on. And I'm so grateful the Lord's been teaching me to pray Every day, just basically to pray this prayer. Lord, today, let me see somebody that needs to hear about you. Let me see people the way you see them. Don't let me miss somebody. Because I'm concerned that one day I'm going to stand before the Lord, and I, I'm going to tell you, I can't stand the idea that one day I might have to see everybody I missed because I didn't have time. So, this past Thursday, I got to be with your staff, and what a great team to get to be with. And I want you to hear something about your staff. They aren't stepping up during the interim. They had already stepped. They're doing the work they've all been doing, and they're doing a great job at it. And I'm very grateful. And I'm telling you, they have picked it up, and they have done it. So 
You just got to know they're not waiting on a senior pastor to be functional. They're hitting it. And I'm grateful very much for who they are. So I got to be part of that day with them. And then I had an appointment in Houston, went to the appointment. I was coming out in the reception area. The receptionist was standing behind the desk. And the area was, was really clear at that point. And as I was coming up to the reception desk to finish up, uh, I saw she was on her phone. And then she started doing this. And I thought, oh, she's put on her mascara or something. She's trying to get it to dry or whatever that is. I don't know what this means. I learned. And because she kind of looked at me and she got up and put her back to me and she was doing this even more. And I was like, okay, something's wrong. And she turned around. I could tell she'd been crying. I said, are you okay? She goes, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. And so she sat down. I said, ma'am. Actually, I said miss because she was pretty young. I said, uh, I'm a pastor. And I can't see somebody crying like this and not ask you how you are. So, are you okay? She goes, oh, it's just been a lot. I said, well, is it about your family? Is it about you? Or are you, oh, I've just, there's just so much. I said, well, can I pray for you? I, I didn't want to embarrass her, but like I said, there was nobody else around. And so, she said yes, so I prayed with her, and I, and I called her by name. And I said, now listen, tonight, because it was 3 o'clock when I was standing there, I said, I'm going to pray for you at 6 o'clock. I'm going to pray for you at 9 o'clock by name. And I want you to know the Lord loves you and that God wants to take care of you. I said, by the way, do you have a church home? And she said, no. And I thought, I got a card. <laughs> but I asked her where she lived. And I said, are you, I said, Magnolia's in the north of Houston. She didn't know where that was because she had just moved here. And she lives in the south part. And I said, listen, I'll tell you what. If you will, I gave her my other my business card. I said, if you will text me or send me the cross street of your of where you live, I, not your address, just your cross street, I will get you the names of three to five churches that are within ten to fifteen minutes of you. I said, my my uh, counterpart here in Houston is Josh Ellis. He loves the Lord. He will love to recommend some churches because I want you to know you need to go hang out with a church family that'll love you. And they're out there. But as I left, I thought, God, thank you that I had asked that morning to not miss the people in front of me. Because there's been times where I would have been maybe a little irritated that she was on the phone instead of checking me out. And I want you to hear that if we're not careful, you and I, just like those seminary students, we can walk right past the people who they may not be falling down on the outside, but inside their heart, they are on the ground screaming, oh God, where are you? And they're hurting. And we need to ask God to give us eyes to see them and to love them exactly where they are. You need to know something. You're never too young and you're never too old to serve. I've had people say something like this, well, I've done my time. What does that mean? You were in county? <laughs> well, you know, it's time for other people. It's time for this. Listen, God's got one retirement program, and it's permanent. But until then, there's work to do. There's people to serve. There's people to encourage. There's people to pray for. There's people to be engaged with. Why do I need to serve? 
You need to know something. You will never reach the full potential of what God wants to do in your life till you begin to serve. It is through service you discover your spiritual gifts. It's through service that you're able to see what God is working through your life. It's through service that God will reveal people to you that you can minister to. It's through service that you're going to discover that God can use you in ways that you think he can't, but through service, you're going to see God do some only God things. Some of us miss the opportunity to see the hand of God working in our life because we don't let God have our hand. He wants you to be willing to put on the towel, to get the basin, and to follow him. Remember what we talked about last week in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God's ready for you. He's ready for you to put your hand out, to put your heart out there, to be willing to serve, to be willing to give yourself. And I'm not talking about just inside these church walls. Yes, we need people that serve, and yes, we're blessed by people that serve. But I will tell you, we have a community that's crying out, will somebody show me the reality of Jesus today? They see it, not by the spire but by the hearts of God's people as they go serve and love on them and reach out to them. God has a plan for you. In 1933, Dawson Trotman, who at that time was a preacher and evangelist, met a U.S. sailor by the name of Lester Spencer, and he began to disciple him. And because of that discipleship and what led to increasing opportunities, the Navigators was founded, a discipleship group that is worldwide at this time. But that one discipleship of Lester, as he went on to the USS Virginia, led to more than 130 other sailors just on that one ship coming to Jesus, which was a good thing. Because a little bit later, when it was docked at Pearl Harbor, it was one of the ships that sunk. And more than 100 souls were lost. I'm grateful for the Navigators and the influence in my own life because when I was a, well, what we used to call junior high, now it's called middle school. I guess junior didn't sound good. But in junior high, in seventh grade, there was two airmen from Shepherd Air Force Base that had been trained as Navigators to disciple others. And they had a group of us junior high boys in there. And for a year, we spent time memorizing Scripture, learning how to study the Bible, responding to uh, ways to grow, and it became an amazing moment for me and my own growth. And so I was interested to read about Dawson Trotman because, and later in life, as he was uh, 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 teaching in Taiwan, there was a group of pastors that he was teaching, and there was another group that he heard about that were far up in the hills, three days' journey, that, that weren't able to come down because of their responsibilities. And so he got a guide, and they went up that mountain pathway. And it was rainy season, and it was arduous and muddy and slick, and it was just, you know, hard charging. But he finally got up there, and he spent that week training those pastors. But those pastors 
in the evening, they pulled that guy aside, that pastor that had guided Dawson Trotman for three days up that mountain. And they asked this question. They said, what did he teach you? You had three days with a man who is a hero to us, who loves Jesus, who knows his word, that has committed his word to memory. And uh, what Bible teaching did he show you? What great truths did you learn from him as you were walking up that mountain? And that pastor looked up at him and said, well, what I learned was this. Every night, he cleaned my shoes. He cleaned my shoes. And I'm struck by how some of us are waiting to get smart enough to share Jesus. We're waiting to feel like we're comfortable with enough truth in the Bible to share Jesus. We're waiting for some magic maturity to happen, and then I'll share Jesus. While the world is crying out, would you just be willing to really love me? Just clean my shoes. People's heart are reached when our heart is fully yielded to Jesus and we're willing to do anything, including cleaning their shoes. Will you bow your heads with me? So I ask you today, is your life marked by the towel and the basin. When someone looks at your life, do they say, there is a genuine servant of Jesus? Now, you can't be that servant until you've met Jesus. Not just know about him, but you've accepted him into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior. And if you've never done that, today I would love to get to talk with you answer any questions you might have. We have other folks that will talk with you. But do you belong to him? And I wonder if God might be speaking to some of your hearts and saying, it's time, it's time to let me have your hands. It's time for me to have your feet so I can take you where I want to take you. It's time for you to let me have your heart so you can let me shape you the way I want to shape you. It's time for you to give me your mind so I can conform you into the likeness of my son. Have you yielded yourself to what it means to truly be great in the kingdom of God by becoming the servant of all? Lord Jesus, here we are today asking you asking you to take what you just spoke into our hearts and move it to a choice. To move it to that place of decision. And I pray, God, that we would have the courage to embrace what you showed us and are teaching us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, in just a few moments, I'm going to ask for our deacon families. There's going to be a couple of them that are going to come up here and be available to pray. There'll be some that are in the uh, uh, balcony as well.
because we're preparing our hearts for the Lord's Supper. And to take the Lord's Supper, you need to first be a believer in Jesus Christ, a Christ follower. And so if you don't know Christ in that way, we want to talk with you and pray with you so you can come to meet Jesus. But it could be also that you're here today and you have a need. I, I tell you, one of the best blessings I've had is week after week after week, some of you have come back to me and said, I prayed with this person. Let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you how God answered that prayer or this prayer. And I'm grateful for that. And maybe you are at that place where you're saying, when you talked about that person that was standing up on the outside, but on the inside, they found themselves on the ground crying out, God, where are you? That's exactly where I am today. I want you to hear something. I want you to hear that God brought you to this place and he loves you. So let one of these deacon families pray for you. I can pray for you. There's people around you that would welcome praying with you. But let nobody ever walk out of this place without a need being met, an encouragement being spoken. That's what he wants to do for you. So let's prepare our hearts now as we stand together, as we sing, as we respond to what God has spoken to our hearts. In Jesus' name.